0: uh micah chapter 6 we began uh, already uh and uh just to uh r- review you remember that uh, micah chapter 6 verse 1 uh, the lord said to them again hear what the lord says and we saw uh, uh the courtroom uh seen as it were the word indictment is used twice god says arise and plead your case uh, and then we saw that uh he brought charges and then in uh, verse 2 through 5 he, he went through uh, his mighty acts and how he preserved them and kept them and, and and really he said what what have I done to you here here's all these things that I did to preserve you and, and keep you uh, verses uh, 6 and, and 7 we saw was a, a somewhat uh, uh, sarcastic reply which almost, which almost hints that God can't be pleased because the person starts with saying, uh, "Shall I uh, come with uh, a burnt offering or a calf?" And he he ends up talking about uh, should I give my uh, firstborn son? It, it's a uh, it, it seems like it's it's our sarcastic and uh, ridiculous extrapolation of uh, of the sacrifices that. Uh, you just uh, uh, could throw all these sacrifices at God and he still would not be pleased. And then we started with uh, uh, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. We covered the, the first two uh, under the headings of primary characteristic number one, to do justice, uh, primary characteristics Number two, to love mercy or love kindness or steadfast love. And then we just uh, touched the surface on primary characteristic. Number three, uh, to walk humbly uh, with your God. We closed last week uh, with a quote of Thomas Adams saying, you cannot see Christ with another's eyes and you cannot walk to heaven uh, with another's feet. It reminds us that, that God said he has told you, man each individual person but all of us together Uh, he has told you oh man and uh, walk humbly also includes the the words your God he called them his people uh, earlier on in verse 3 and verse 5 when he said what have I done to you my people now he's saying walk humbly before your God things haven't changed They've turned away, but God hasn't changed. We can thank the Lord uh, for that. Uh, so the first uh, note there under the primary characteristic, he is their God and he is our God. Each person, each man needs to uh, uh, walk this way. And, and then secondly, I'd like to just mention some of uh, David Pryor's observations. Uh, uh, many of the commentators pick up on what he says but prior says uh, this uh, his requirement here cannot be conveniently dissected packaged and labeled so you cannot look at this passage and say well that is exactly what god requires because you have other passages that say in a different way uh, how to please the lord uh, all these hold together and prior says if we walk humbly with god That's the only way that we can love mercy and do justice. Because uh, if we learn from God, then we learn because he is uh, just and merciful. Uh, The kindness and mercy are expressed in and through people who walk humbly with God. And we studied uh, Amos chapter 5 recently. And uh, you remember that the prophets exhorted exhorted people to uh, uh, live uh, certain ways. Amos uh, chapter 5 he, s- he says if I can find it. He says seek me and live but don't seek Bethel and don't enter into Gilgal. Seek the Lord and live lest he break out. So here's Seek and live, stop acting a certain way. But then uh, he, he says uh, uh, later on, Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. As you have said, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that God of hosts will be gracious to you. Well, this is a prior point. Well, do I seek the Lord or do I walk humbly with the Lord? And what about Psalm 1? Uh, The person there doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And he meditates on it all the time. Well, should I be a Psalm 1 person on Monday and a, an a Amos person on Tuesday and walk humbly with my God on Wednesday? No, that's what prior is getting at. You can't, you can't say this is just this list that we have to, to follow. It's really uh, complex. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 10, verse 11 and 12 talks about loving God with all our mind and soul and, and, and strength. So it, it's a combination of all of them. We can't uh, dissect so, proper, consistent humility before God helps us to demonstrate the attributes of justice and mercy. And Pryor ends up with his point and saying, This leads to the good life. And he's pointing back to the verse, the part of the verse that says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. Now, if, if you talk to somebody and, and, they, and you said, How are you doing? And they said, I'm living the good life, Uh, in our day and age, you would think, well, yeah, they probably have cars and boats and this and that and this. Well, no. Uh, Pryor's saying, you live the good life as defined by God. He has told you, oh man, what is good. And if you're just and merciful and walk humbly with God, that is the good life. That's what uh, Pryor is getting at. It leads towards a life that bears fruit towards God and others, and, and that is, that is the goal, isn't it? I bear fruit towards God and others. And now concerning uh, uh, this uh, command, we looked at your God, we looked at prior's comments, and now we'll look at some scripture. But this, think of the scripture testimony and commands about humility. You would say, well, there's too many to to name, but we can just name a few and we'll see. Uh, How important it is. Uh, First of all, uh, Jesus is our pattern uh, of humility. Uh, Philippians uh, 2, verses 3 through 9. The context is church life. This is how you and I uh, are supposed to pattern ourselves. This is how we're supposed to live together. And Paul says, in humility, count others, regard or consider them better than yourself. That's hard to do, isn't it, sometimes? Well, so-and-so, the, the, uh, that person, they're just kind of a, a plain person. They're just kind of a, just a regular Joe. No, consider, regard better than yourselves. He says, have this mind in you. Possess it. Have it. You, you, you see the activity that we've we, we got to go through, Right? And it's not like, well, I'm going to church. I better get my humble mind in there, right? You put it in, take it out of the jar on the shelf, and we'll put the humble mind. And that's, that's ridiculous. This, is, this has got to be what we are. Which is in Christ Jesus. The same mind, the same mindset that he had. You, you remember what he said. You call my rabbi, that's good. But he was a servant leader, wasn't he? I came to call sinners. I didn't come for people that didn't need a doctor. And I'll take off my outer garment and I'll put on a towel and I'll wash your feet to show you what you should be like also. Made himself nothing. Paul says he made himself a servant and he came in the flesh. And then he humbled himself being obedient. You see, part of humility is obedience, because what God said is, is right, what I think is not right. I follow God's commandments. In that sense, I better meditate on the law of God day and night, because to walk humbly before God, I have to know what God requires of me. If we live proudly, or we ignore this, we're certainly not like Christ. And then there's apostolic instru- instruction also in the churches. In chapter 3 of James, at the end of the chapter, he talks about wisdom that comes from above. And he puts this string of words together, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture of wisdom. But then chapter 4, you think, what happened? It's almost like a riot broke out. You <coughs> don't ask because you are it on your lusts, and you're frustrated and all this stuff. And and to 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 get through it, he cites... Proverbs 3.34, here we are right in the middle of church life again, real people and problems, and he says, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And that's what we need to do. 1 Peter chapter 5, he talks about verses 5 and 6. He says, you young and old, he says, clothe yourself with humility. Uh, There's another there, there's another positive, there's another action verb. This is my white humility shirt. What are you kidding? But think about it. But think about it. Where am I going? What am I doing? I'm walking among other men. As I button a button, I should think. I should be clothed with humility. I should, I should have the mind of Christ. I should humble myself. I should be obedient. He's a strange guy. He's got humility shirts. He walks around in, but that's but that's what it is. Clothe it, put it on, and, and then and then in verse six he says, "Humble yourselves, therefore." There's more action under the under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Well, maybe I should be exalted a little bit first, and then no. In church life, that is—that's our clothing, isn't it? Our clothing should be humility. Our thing should be humble me, Lord, to be a, a servant to the to to the brethren, to be a servant to my uh, fellow brothers and sisters. And I don't go home and say, "Man, I'm glad to get this shirt off." Where's my supper? Right? <laughs> you don't you don't do that. Clothed with humility humble yourselves be like Christ. That's the idea Uh, you you can see right away uh, The Israelites were anything but that Anything but that they 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 tried to walk with God with this callous this callous way. Oh God Nothing's gonna happen to us. Oh God. I could give a thousand things of oil and you still wouldn't be happy And that was their attitude so the scripture testimony and the commands, Jesus is the pattern, and, and there's apostolic instruction. Uh, but it takes us, it takes us right back also to what the people of Israel missed in, in, in verses in the earlier verses. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? The answer to the question is what they missed have i wearied you he said remember we went through it what did they miss they missed his covenant love he told moses i've seen their affliction i'm going to go and do something about it they missed it they missed his sovereign power 10 plagues came it's possible that for nine of them they could actually see all the frogs or the darkness or everything else the locusts or everything else they could see it across the horizon and what's going on over there they're in a different land they could see it but to walk humbly before our god we need to see the same thing did did did, did you ever realize that no matter what's going on in your life that god is working in your life And the person you're at the counter with next to you, the person who's in the store with you, God is not active in their life. They have no thoughts of God. Maybe they think, oh, what should I do? What does God want? Everything? I can't serve God. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Do you understand his sovereignty and power work in your life? And you say, why would God ever work? In my life, what what did I bring? What did I bring as a sinner? The answer is nothing. Jesus told his disciples, apart from me, you could do nothing. You came in with zip in your, your, your zip. Nothing. God's power over the enemies. They, they forgot his power. Uh, an, an entire sea opened up right before them. Our enemies, our enemies are coming. Their, their, their faith was just going like this, like a roller coaster up and down. Our enemies are coming. Look what God's going to do. The, the thing splits. Yeah, but they're still coming through. Now it goes back together again. Look what happened with uh, Sihon and Og. Uh, Og was this giant man someplace that talks about the size of his bed. It was like eight or nine feet long. And they defeated those kings. Look at the testimony of Rahab. We heard what you did. What you did, what God did. The people in in Jericho were so afraid because of the mighty works of God. Brethren, don't ever let God say, have I wearied you? Have you forgotten what I've done for you? Look at, he mentions uh, Pharaoh. He mentions Balak and Balaam. And here's the king, he's got this plot. Oh, there's a lot of plots nowadays. Well, yeah. But we studied it Wednesday night when Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. Do do we understand what's going on in the spiritual realm? Do we understand the reasons for this? Well, the Israelites were ignorant of these plots and plans and God says, I delivered you from all of those things. They forgot his love. They forgot his covenant mercy. They they forgot they looked right at his power and still turned away. They forgot that he redeemed them from his enemies. And they actually forgot the whole redemption itself. You were slaves. Somebody else owned you. You could not do what you wanted from one day to another. You were under the charge of somebody else. And now you're free you're a free people, you're a free nation. He brought you out. And that's what we have to, th- to think about. He brought them leadership. He says in the text, I brought you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. It's, uh, Miriam was a prophetess and Moses and Aaron were the leaders. And we have leaders and guides ourselves. I have Jesus praying for me and with me. I have the Holy Spirit aiding me in prayer. I have pastors looking over my soul. I've always had pastors looking over my soul. That's amazing. And they know me in a sense like, like nobody else. They take care of me. They, 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 they watch. But they forgot about that as well. George Swinnick says, there's no softening like gospel softening and there's no hardening like gospel hardening. If you turn away from the privileges that you have today sitting here, your hardening could be much worse than than these Israelites or similar to them. You remember what Jesus said to to, to places where he ministered. He said it will be more tolerable to who in the day of judgment Sodom and Gomorrah. Can you imagine that? Did you know a place that was more perverse? No. But did you know a person that brought more light than Christ? No. That's the point. You've had the light of the gospel. You've seen God's answer to the, the ills of history. You've seen God's answer to the sins of men. And if you turn away from that... It will be worse for you than Sodom and Gomorrah. You'll wish that fire and brimstone would cover you. So as we move on, we go out of the courtroom into the judgment in verses 9 through 16. This is a pattern that, that we've seen numerous times. And God is going to call them. He's going to ask questions of them in verse 10 and 11. And then he's going to judge them and present the results of their sins in 12 through 16. Notice verse 9. The voice of the Lord cries to the city and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed it. Here here is another call. Here is another uh, cry. But it reminds us that there is always a voice and always a witness. God always has it. Proverbs uses the picture of a woman called wisdom. And it's very interesting because Solomon is telling his son about wisdom as portrayed as a woman. And and a prostitute, an adulteress, as portrayed as a woman. And he's saying, stay away from this woman and embrace this woman. Take whatever she says and bind it on your heart and keep it. Because what she says is worth more than anything else that you have. But there's always the cry. There's always the call. At the entrance of the portal, she cries. To you, men, to you, O men, I call. And wisdom calls. Think of Isaiah uh, chapter 40. A voice cries in the wilderness. Isaiah's day. And John the Baptist. He cried out. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone... Thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will f- flow uh, rivers of, of water, as the scripture said. Always, uh, there's been somebody crying out. <coughs> if, you, if you follow and embrace Jesus' invitation, the, the, this refreshing spiritual water that he t- talked to the woman at the well, it's actually going to become a part of what you are. And people will say it's always so refreshing to be in the presence of so-and-so. It's always so refreshing to have fellowship with this person. It's like spiritual water. I I leave their presence and I'm not thirsty. Because they're a blessing. And they try to bless others. All the prophets. And think of the parable in Mark of, of the vineyards. We just covered it. What happened? Sent this one. Sent that one. Sent another one. Sent this one. Sent that one. Twelve minor prophets. It's not, even, it's not even talking about the major prophets. Twelve of them. There's always been a voice. And we should hear God's voice and hear Jesus' voice. Because the salvation of our soul is at stake. He talks about where it is. It's in the city. The center of sin and idolatry. You remember Isaiah was right there. He walked around with the kings in that day and told them what was going to happen. He came to Ahaz and said, Ask a sign. And Ahaz was a, a wicked, wicked king. And Isaiah's 60 some chapters of, of ministry. Micah's there. He just doesn't have this uh, a broader ministry. But right there in the city. A- and then... The Geneva says, the man of wisdom shall see your name. And the new King James says, wisdom shall see your name. And the ESV says, it's sound wisdom to fear your name. All three are true. The, the, uh, there's some acknowledgement that the, the Hebrew is a little hard to translate there. We we, we shouldn't we shouldn't worry about that because uh, it, it comes through. Uh, if you knew what Hebrew is like, you would realize, yeah, that it, you can you can literally leave out one dot. One dot. Because that's the vowels, little dots and marks. So you could miss one and it might have a shade of meaning here or there. It's sound wisdom to fear God's name. That's right. Wisdom shall see your name. They'll, they'll see who God really is when he cries out. That's the idea. If, if, if I listen to the, the voice of wisdom in Proverbs, what does it say? I, I'll gain The statement is powerful. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fools, fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think they know it already. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. There's many passages in Proverbs about the wise man and what a wise man does. And one of the things he does is he listens but how much more when God speaks? How much more when God cries out? How much more uh, when Christ cries out? Uh, and then he says, hear the rod. Uh, there, there were times when I was growing up in our home that you could hear the rod. Uh, it, it, was a, uh, it was a spoon and uh, you could hear... Oh, somebody's getting it, right? I'm glad I'm not, but we did have those times when mom would just say, line up. Because we, we all were being bad. So we'd have to go and <clears throat> hear the rod. Do you hear the punishment? Are you aware that God is punishing people? Are you aware that judgment is coming? Are you aware that your sins deserve judgment too? Here the rod, uh, the rod and reproof is uh, is used in in proverbs uh, the re- rod of reproof and the repro the rod of correction. Uh, Isaiah ten five Ah Assyria the rod of my anger here through Isaiah God says Assyria is going to be my rod to come and discipline you and then the the people. Uh, uh, Cavil about this and, uh, and they're saying well you know what about that and it says as if the rod uh, should wield him who lifts it the, the person who has the rod always is in control not the not the rod the rod, doesn't, the rod doesn't do this don't hit that one hit this one God says I'll direct it wherever I want be not afraid of the Assyrians when they strike with the rod he tells them because the Assyrians are going to be judged after that you're going to go through judgment now. From a picture of disciplining a child to the destruction of, of Judah, uh, the rod is a, uh, appointed. Hear of Yahweh who appoints the rod. Uh, and the courtroom scene is all we should need is to remember. Uh, I answered, I answered the wrong way. I answered, well, God, what do you require? I'll give you all this. Stuff. It's still not enough. H- hear the rod. If you're going to answer that way, hear the rod because I already told you the way you're supposed to live. I already told you what you're supposed to do. That's the, that's the idea. And then come God's questions. He knows exactly what is going on. And you, you see in verse uh, uh, 10 through 12, Can I forget any longer the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the scant measure that is accursed. He's he's asking them, isn't it about time that I did something about this? You you know, you know, unbelievers, they'll cheat, but don't cheat them. They'll cheat on their taxes. They'll say, oh, I'm not paying. But somebody to cheat them. Guy broke into my car, took my stuff. Well, you cheated on your taxes. Maybe maybe he had the rational, you know, maybe he had the same rationalization as you. We used to stop people in, in Walmart who were stealing. They'd say, I spend a lot of money in this store. Evidently not enough. That gives you the right to steal. That's the idea. God's saying, should I just pass by this don't if we're in the courtroom again don't god's saying to them don't you think it's about time i did something about all your sins the 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 true answer is well yeah it is because they had treasures of iniquity the stuff was piled up look what they used scant measure scant measures well, they cheated they cheated in commerce They had treasures of wickedness piled up. It's interesting, all the interpretations and and words there. The the word ephah is there. So one version says uh, an ephah of leanness. So they were scamming people. Oh, I'll take that ephah of grain over there. Well, it really wasn't a whole ephah, was it? It was a, a shrunken ephah, one version says. A short measure Remember Amos uh, uh, 8, verse 5. They talked about the new moon and the Sabbath. And they said, we can't wait till they're done so that we may make an ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances. That's They couldn't wait. All this worship stuff, I get tired of it. Another new moon, here we go, another new moon. Another Sabbath, I just get tired. I can't wait to go tomorrow and rip somebody off. Can you imagine that? Well, isn't it time? Isn't it time God says that you're judged? Uh, An unequal weight and unequal measure are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 20, 20, false scales are not good. And God says the idea is that it's a scant measure that's a curse. There's a curse on the way that you do business. And brethren, a, a, a curse from God is the worst spiritual condition that you can be in. Because Jesus says in Matthew twenty five, verse forty one, Depart from me, you cursed. Paul talks about somebody that preaches a gospel that's not the true gospel in Galatians one nine. And he says, Anybody who preaches a gospel that's different, let him be accursed. And the pinnacle the pinnacle is what our Lord Jesus Christ faced. Because it says, cursed is anyone that hung on a tree. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The curse of the law is that you cannot keep the law. You cannot keep the law. There's Ten Commandments. Maybe you said, oh, I never murdered anybody that, that night that the Lord Saved me and worked in my heart. The guy went over the Ten Commandments. The only thing I could say is, I never murdered anybody. But in my mind, in my sports background, in any sport, if you only do something, if you're only one for ten in anything, you, you, you're, you're bad, you're in trouble. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. What an amazing thing. So so God says in the the first question, can I forget? And then the second question, he says, shall I acquit the wicked scales, the deceitful weights, the deceitful bag? So that they'd have their bag, right? They'd have their little bag a tricky bag, and they'd have their good bag. Wow. Weigh things out, and you you don't have to shave it by much. some of the some of the uh, reports said, you know you think about it, just just shave a quarter of an ounce off of off a pound. Well, if you sell enough stuff, pretty soon you've got a pound back. If you sell more, pretty soon you've gained two pounds by cheating. And now you can sell those and shave those as well. And you got a bag with deceitful weights. The customer checks you. Oh, oh! I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, it's in my other bag. The my experience in Walmart again. I never knew that people would try to scam people in so many other in so many ways that you could you couldn't even imagine the plots and the plans that they came up with. And, and that's and that's what God is saying here. But the wicked are always offended by the same kind of offender. If I follow too closely, I'm reminded that a tailgater is always bothered by a tailgater. A stealer is always really bothered by someone that steals. And here's the conclusion starting in verse 12. Your rich men are full of violence. Uh, rich people have a tendency to to be crass. Wealth produces evil, and we 're familiar with the text we won 't go back but but they oppressed people and, and they put b- uh, burdens on them you know the this idea of hostile takeover there was text about that you go and you take somebody else 's field. You go and you take somebody else 's house here. Here's X number of shekels of pieces of silver for your house. That's not a fair price. Too bad. Get out. The inhabitants speak lies, a characteristic sin. The tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Out of the heart, they speak. But it's societal, national sins that are highlighted, and they're consistent evils. This This is all through society. And you would say, you mean their society was no different than ours? Yeah, that's exactly it. And then here comes the, here comes the final part. A grievous blow and desolation is going to come, verse, verse 13. Therefore I strike you with a grievous blow, making you desolate because of your sins. There's the reason, there's what's going to happen, there's the result. A grievous blow. The blow causes the, the, the desolation and God just uh, strikes them down. Grievous means it's a it's a it's a terrible thing. It, it, it's a horrible thing. And then verse 14 and 15, nothing is going to go as they planned. You see what they planned, all their deceit. The treasures were in their house. They had their they had their scant measures. They had their bag of tricky weights, but look what happens in verse 14 and 15. Notice there's actions and results. You'll eat, but not be satisfied because you won't have enough food. There'll be hunger within you. You'll put away, but it won't be preserved. What you preserved will be given to the sword. What you sow, you won't reap. When you tread olives, you won't anoint anybody. And when you tread grapes, you won't drink the wine. Do you see how close to disaster they are? We've seen it before. Wait a minute. When I tread these olives, the oil comes out. Those, that's my olive oil. And God says, no, you're going to tread. Somebody else is going to eat it. And, the, and the, reason, the reason for their lack comes in these two stark, amazing pictures. Remember, he's talking to Judah, but now he's going to say, you've acted like two Israelite kings. And remember... How many righteous kings were there in the history of Israel, the northern? Starts with Z, ends with O. Nobody. Zero. You remember the introduction to the prophets. There there was that compressed section like five or six kings in, in 25 years. This guy took, then somebody came and killed him. And then somebody else came and killed him. And one guy managed to die a natural death. One out of like the last six You have kept the statutes of Omri. Now, they're being compared with Omri, who was a, a wicked king. He took over and he bought Samaria from some guy named Shamar, So he named it after the guy. And he built on it. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did more evil than all who were before him. 1 Kings 16, 16 through 28. And he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. There's there's the bottom line. He followed all those All the sins of Jeroboam. Provoking Yahweh, the God of Israel. All the wicked kings in Israel. But he's saying, you kept the statutes of Omri. Well, what statutes did he have? He had idolatry. He provoked the Lord. And you're doing the same thing. Then, the word kept goes over to uh, the next verse. And all the works of the house of Abra- Ahab, and kept all the works of the house of Ahab. And here, we we go another notch. It just said that Omri did more evil than all who were before him, and it says of Ahab, he did more evil than anybody. So, so he uh, did even more, increased idolatry, the hatred of Elijah. He just followed in the footsteps. And did more and more and more. And notice, you walked in their councils. Think of that. Who's counseling you on this? Oh, Omri. Are you kidding? He's wicked. Why would you go to a wicked guy and get counsel? But that's the picture. Oh, I've got some decisions to make. Oh, who's your counselor? Uh, Ahab. You're counseling with Ahab. Don't you know that he was even more wicked? That's the picture. In a multitude of counselors, Proverbs says, there's safety, but look at what God says. You're you're following their pattern of life. You're following what they said. But it's against the covenant. It's against all God's commandments. It's against all God's promises. And it's contrary to to godly counsel. Uh, David says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. That's what should guide us. Uh, and then he, he wraps it up by saying, here's more consequences that I make you a desolation and you shall bear. And he, he says a hissing. And this hissing was just a, uh, was just a, a, an act of derision, a sound of derision. Uh, uh, I, I, I did some research that, uh, That uh, it's just been uh, throughout history. Uh, uh, I can remember, I don't know, a cartoon or something and the villain came on and people were going, boo, hiss, boo, hiss. But that's what people did. Jeremiah picked up on it. Three texts in Jeremiah. I will also make this city a desolation and an object of hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hissed because of it. It's desolated and people hiss and i will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and a hissing and an everlasting desolation to make them a ruin a horror and a hissing and a curse and jeremiah once again it'll be a curse and a horror and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations all the nations ended up saying i thought they were god's people supposed to be a light and now it's decimated and people just would hiss Urgh. Uh, another, um, uh, uh, another term like that came up in, uh, it's like the 13th or 14th century, F-I-E. You would say fee or fi, you know. Fee, you're going to do this. If you didn't believe it, you'd say fee on you. A hissing. And they're going to bear the reproach. And there's different ways to bear a reproach, isn't there? You can bear a reproach in a positive way. Christ bore a reproach for us. Christ took the reproach to the, to the cross. But there's also, there's also a, a reproach that you can bear that's wrong. And you, and you can bear the shame of your own sin. And that's what God's getting at. That's your reproach. There goes that guy. He professed he was a Christian one time. Now he just lives like everybody else. There goes that so-and-so lady. She went to church for 35 years. Now she turned away. What kind of faith is that? That's a bad reproach. The good reproach is that the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. That's the good reproach. That Jesus took uh, the reproaches of others. Micah chapter seven next week. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're 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 stirred up in our hearts, Lord, about these things. We fear that. Uh, Uh, these things would come upon our nation. We know many who fit the criteria of the verses that we just uh, looked at. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to follow paths of justice and mercy and walk humbly with you. In Jesus' name, amen.